Welcome to the Motherhood Village Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez-Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Vanessa Silva, who is a culinary artista's founder and CEO. Vanessa began cooking with her grandmother in Brazil. As an introverted child, the kitchen was the first place in her life that she felt she belonged. Cooking was a creative outlet, a means to get a bite of the tastiest treats first, and a place to get rewarded for her creativity. Her involvement with food took further dimensions after getting a bachelor's degree in food engineering and a master's in holistic nutrition. I love it. Welcome, Vanessa. How are you? Thank you, Nicole, for having me here. I'm very excited for this. Yes, me too. So, okay, before we jump into the main discussion, I always like to ask my guess what is their favorite book or one that they would like to recommend okay i have two and like i've been thinking about this the first one is called the yoga of eating and there's nothing to do with yoga like asana practice yoga but it's really used Mm. to use eating as a way to come to one with yourself and with the world around you and that's something that I, i i think it really helped inspired me in my journey of cooking and eating and and thinking about that. And I think that's a great one for like when we're thinking like how I'm going to set the path of eating of my relationship with food, with my children and with my family. The other one is called bring yourself and the art of using connection to negotiate fearlessly. And that's a business book, but it's also one that I think in our everyday life, we are negotiating all the time and like learning how, where we come from to negotiate and like to get what we want and to understand and have empathy for other people. I think this is an, it's an amazing book wrote by a woman. So, and uh, yeah. I love it. Thank you for that. And who and what has been a part of your motherhood village? Okay, that is an interesting one. So I will. I want to give credit to a woman. Her name is Christine Hicks. She is the mother of my daughter's sister. So when my daughter has an uh, older half sister, seven years older from her father's previous relationship, and that mom, you know, that I call her senior mom, really took me under her wing when in my pregnancy, when I was, when my daughter was really young, I was, I was soon separated. So I was a single mom and she really taught me the power of sisterhood of like, of the village. And not only she kind of brought me in socially, emotionally, but uh, she was also a huge inspiration to what came after. So I give a lot of credit to her. That's awesome. Okay. So I love talking to people. That's why I have a podcast and I love learning about people. Um, But that would make for lengthy, lengthy conversations. So I know we only have um, a specific amount of time. So I want to kind of keep it high level. But culinary artistas, excuse me, what inspired you to create this wonderful organization? And what kind of legacy do you hope to leave behind with culinary artistas and with your work of cooking and supporting families? 
Okay, I'll give you the, the, the kind of long answer, but I have, I have always loved to eat. I have always loved to cook, but I not always had the best relationship with my body. I grew up in Brazil. I'm, I'm 50 now. So I think when I was a young woman, like body shaming or like using unhealthy ways to kind of keep a certain body shape was something that was normal. And I, you know, I grew up that way. So I had a long journey of coming to my body and coming to a, a place of comfort with that. So I went to, I studied food engineering because I love to cook. And then I, I later on, I went to study holistic nutrition because it was a time when I thought it was like understanding nutrition in the body was already important. And at the time I wanted to work with people that had cancer and like pair up with doctors and help um, treat cancer through nutrition in addition to medicine. But my sister said, you know, Vanessa, you could get people early on in life and, uh, you know, and use nutrition to avoid, you know, uh, a, a huge kind of span of, of diseases. So I thought, you know, nutrition education is something for younger people is something I want to do. So that was part of the inspiration. Another part, I think it was that person that wonderful senior mama, Christine. She is has an amazing relationship with her career. She loves what she does. She's really connected to her purpose. And I think when we are in, in, in a full relationship with ourselves of integrity with ourselves, we parent from a different place. I saw her parenting from that place of power, of the place of like pride, and I wanted that. So she really encouraged me to go look for what is that that you would do that would fill, like, fulfill your purpose here. And I felt like combining education, nutrition, cooking. And at the time, my daughter was three years old, and bringing that to kids would be, you know, this would be something that would fulfill my, my purpose. So Culinary Tisas was founded with the idea, one, to provide a place for kids that might be a little shy, might be a little socially awkward, might be very creative, might want to, you know, uh, to find a place, sure. to make a, a safe place, but also to pass on this idea that the relationship with food and our bodies is something that can really nurture health from the beginning. I love that. And it's, it's, so it's interesting. So you're saying you started out of the call, oh, I'm going to heal cancer patients. And I would imagine the holistic nutrition is about eating proper foods, right. And nurture, nurturing, nourishing, and I guess nurturing your body in that way. But then here you have a friend who's like, wait a minute, which, and I, I think it's, beautiful and so true that it's like let's get children at the beginning so that they don't grow into having these health problems yeah so i love that because honestly there's probably more people nowadays that do maybe some of the like the nutrition based to help cancer patients cancer dietitians and different things mm -hmm. which is noble as well but Amazing. i don't see too many of women like yourself who are starting and helping kids really see like the nutritional value with food of having a healthy relationship with with food or to your point maybe those introverted kids that are a little quiet that sports isn't for them right yeah and certain things aren't for them and where else can they can they grow where can they thrive yeah and i think nicole the, the holistic part of nutrition you know 
holistic nutrition is has to do also with our our relationship with food, what we put in our in our mouths, but also have to do with our social relationships, with our emotional relationships. Uh, I think food is so much more than calories, right? Food is something that fill so many roles. So the idea of creating a space where there is that that nurturing embrace. There is like, I see you. I encourage you to express yourself. Yes. And we use food as the medium for that. We also, the idea is to really kind of excite kids about wholesome foods before you, you even bring the word health. Because healthy foods are this, like eat your healthy food. But if you're salivating over a tomato, no one is telling you 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 it's pleasure. So it's kind sure. of developing that healthy pleasure from early on in you know in a way that it. is supported socially, emotionally, and also through where we're cooking. I love it. And can I ask what are the exact services and classes that you offer? I know you do virtual and in person. Is that correct? Yes, it is true. So we have a really beautiful studio here in San Francisco in a beautiful place that we have a Camp, summer camps and camps um, over the year that we do at our studio for kids. We also have after school programs. Uh, I think we are in about 10 schools. We work with uh, close to 300 kids per week. And we have a beautiful subscription box that combines STEM, art, and cooking. So the idea was like, the kids do so well at our studio, but let's bring that home. Let's give parents, grandparents, caretakers the opportunity to do sure. that together. And then we have a whole uh, gamut of um, corporate services. We do events and competitions and all of that for adults too. I love that. Okay. So this is a motherhood podcast and mm-hmm. I always love to share other than me starting a podcast to converse with awesome women like yourself and people, because I have talked to men, I like to share tips and resources. So why don't mm-hmm. you break down what are, how are ways parents can help their kids create a healthy relationship with food? I will say with my son, and this is probably very common, you know, he started out as, and I don't like to use the word good eater, but maybe not as, not as, and there's a word that they say to use instead of picky, but he was picky okay. or he wasn't picky and, you know, more flavorful foods. Then they get older, they get exposed to a little bit more sugar. So then their taste buds change, they go to school, they might not want to, you know, all the different influences, truthfully, especially when they get exposed to leaving the home, right? So now he doesn't maybe have the taste for the curry as much as he did or some of the paprika, because I would cook a lot with that. How can parents help their kids create the healthy relationship with food and take it a step further? What are some tips to get them involved with cooking and early and what age? Yeah, so uh, my kid is 13. So, and I know a lot of your audience are young parents or parents of young kids. So, what I, I'll start by saying that our kids are always uh, not only watching us but sensing us. There's so much more that we communicate beyond like what we say in words or we put in front of them. So, I think that uh, the, the first step for for your kid to have a, a good relationship with food is for us as as caretakers to understand and sort out our relationship with food. So a lot of our preferences, even like the things that we eat when the the child is in in the belly will affect their later on preferences. But our anxieties, the, you know, the, the... 
what's happening around mealtime. So that's why I like that book, The Yoga of Eating, because it's something that really helps you think about your own relationship with food, with your body. And then when you're parenting, you're coming from a more clear place. So that's kind of, that's a start. I think the, then moving forward, move to next step as kids are little, that are very little, is to sure. provide, a, to create a, a variety. You know, so again, what we're eating, I, I always was of the opinion that a kid should eat what the parents or, or, or what the grown-ups are eating. So offer a variety of foods and try to offer the foods at their highest, um, best quality mm -hmm. state that you can provide. Sure. And, you know, it varies for everybody. You know, a really good carrot out of the farmer's market tastes very different than a bagged baby carrot i you know I, like sure. any blind test will tell you so just just put that in front of them uh i think moving you know I, so that's kind of early on right i think every household is very different some households the parents are one of the parents or one of the caretakers have more time to prepare foods and, and some they don't or some the caretakers don't even know how to prepare foods a lot a lot of the food comes from pouches and bags and pre-made things but i would say that exposing kids and doing as well as you can to just have some kind of skin in the game of the what you kid you're you're feeding your kids so maybe you you don't prepare like elaborate meals but you you know you quarter the cherry tomatoes when they're around so they see your involvement in that so there is a little bit you start to build that emotional connection not only for you but for the kid too and i love yeah. that and you said you're oh go ahead go ahead please oh um, so the, I, I think and then as you move on and I, and I, Nicole, my daughter started very, oh, I'm very lucky. My daughter eats like everything, but uh, she started very adventurous. Like we would go to the farmer's market. If I ordered, you know, like a pupusa, she ate a pupusa. If I ordered a little uh, curry, she would do curry. And then there was a phase <laughs> that she was eating less. But I think as long as you keep on offering and as yeah. long as also, I think there is something and that, that I think the, the most the hardest advice that I'm going to give that or that I'm going to share today is if your kid is not wanting to eat that one you know like a different a variety of like foods that are healthful for them yeah. don't exchange that for you know the the stuff that you know they're not great for them it's okay for a kid to be a little mm -hmm. bit hungry for a little bit instead of like oh you know I tried all of this but we know it's going to end on that cracker because you're training your kid to just hold their space because that will be that cracker at the end. Or I think the other thing that I see parents doing a lot, and I really kind of try, I, I do bite my tongue, is think of the rewards, right? So if we train a kid to a good behavior means a sweet treat, we are telling them that the sweet treat holds a high status in our scale. You know, but if a good behavior holds, like if, if this, the treat is like, I'm giving you for every, you know, every thank you, you said that <laughs> you get a blueberry or you get a sticker or, and, you know, and not a piece of candy, sure. they're not going to associate good deeds or comfort with that. And, and that starts really early and we have to hold ourselves. 
And it makes sense because you're shifting the mindset to say, like you said, of looking at this candy of the pedestal that they have it on, which makes sense because it does taste so good. It's supposed to make taste so good because they've included so much sugar. They want us to have more and more, right? They want, yeah. it's, it's purposely done that way. So basically you're saying shift that mindset. And I, and I love that because those are little things that we can do and just start kind of, I guess, reshifting or retraining kind of the programming behind that. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact, and I've heard it before in other other people I've talked to on the podcast of like, just continue to try. My son has has surprised us. He loves broccolini, but had a thing about regular broccoli. And even though we've tried to explain it's the same thing. And then one day, lo and behold, he's like, I want to try broccoli because I would continue to make it. And I was like, oh, okay. And same thing with spinach. Like, you want to try spinach? No, no. And then we would remind him, you know, you used to eat spinach and little things. And then one day he surprised us. So it goes to the point of like, it could be that 25th time, but you don't know, but just keep reinforcing. And to your point, if you'd include it in your in your own diet to where you're eating yes. healthy, then it makes it easier as opposed to you like, oh, I need to incorporate this. That goes to my next question, because mm-hmm. I think it's hard. I mean, I'm an overwhelmed mom. And I mean, I have my village of my, my parents, my mother-in-law, my husband, and I'm very overwhelmed, you know, just running two businesses and different things for the single moms like yourself that you are were or even I'm sure, are you still a single mom? I have a partner now, but it, I, it's, okay, it's but like I was a single mom for 12 years. Sure. Oh, OK. <laughs> so I say that to say, you know, so if I was overwhelmed. I can only imagine and I always say I bow down to single moms because it's just it's just you. And if you don't have that village. So what tips can you give to a busy mother listening to this? And even me, maybe myself of like, I'm overwhelmed. What are some tips to kind of beat maybe some overwhelm meal prep or even to get into some of those mind shift changes mm-hmm. that could help make it easier so that we can add more cooking and more fresh, wholesome food than the prepackaged processed foods? Yeah, the, I, a couple of things. So it's hard for me sometimes because like cooking has been my language from, so sure. it's hard for me to think of someone that, you know, for people who really cannot cook. So let's say that you really, you know, like you don't have the time and cooking is really not your thing, but I think reserving some time in the week that can be in the weekend or it can be in, you know, whenever you can fit that you can say, well, this half an hour per week is something that I dedicate to this important thing of, of this food education, this building, this relationship is create a small ritual around it. So even if it's like, I don't know, like, very simple you know we make we we do banana like i don't know i'm looking at a banana like we you know we sit together slice this banana we put you know we sprinkle some nuts on top or something and then and that becomes and this is what you do with they know that is a special moment so you don't have to be doing that every day but you know if this is for the the person that is like I cannot add any meal preparation to that. But I think when it comes to working with your kid, and I feel like, and and I've tried to do this and I learned in in practice, a mistake that we make is that we want to involve our kid in the cooking. We want to have, you know, they want to be in it. But we want to do that when we are also preparing dinner for the rest of the family. And that happens after we got home from work, we might be a little hangry ourselves, or, you know, like we need to get things going. And that kid is kind of making a mess. He wants to do everything, you know, and it's just then 
you were a little tense around it. It's like, oh my God, you know. Yeah, now you're up here. Now no, you're kind of like, whatever you're, yeah. No. So I think the other thing, and that's what I was saying, maybe you can combine those two rituals, which are, mm. you know, maybe you can, if, if, if time is something that is, is kind of hard, it's like maybe you, you, you save another time of the day of the week when you were doing that cooking activity with them without the goal of having the meal on the table. You separate those two things at the beginning until you establish your language with your kid in the kitchen, you know, and then, you know, know what? Nobody takes the kid out to the park to kick a ball to see if they're going to score some goals. And they're going to, you know, like this thing of like putting the cooking and having like a, a very firm kind of grown up goal at the end of it. It's too much pressure for everybody. No, that makes so sense. So you like start small, incorporate in different pieces, because that's actually a great analogy. Because you're not the goal isn't we're going to win the game or you're going to score 20 no. goals. It's a how you run with the ball, how do you manage the ball, can you kick the ball, and then you kind of develop into all right. Now let's start kicking. It, we have to crawl before we walk, right? So it's the full process. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I can I can ask. We bought those knives on Amazon that were like kid friendly mm. knives to help him kind of, to your point, kind of help me in the kitchen, mm -hmm. except, you know, and, and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. What, yeah. Is there an age that is a great age or is, I mean, I would imagine you're probably going to say, listen, they should watch you from babies can watch you. In the, you know, some women wear their, I know women who wore their babies to cook in certain mm -hmm. things, but to really get involved. I know even with my son, he'll be six and sometimes he'll want to hold the pot. And then if he's not holding it with the hand and I get a little, oh, cause I'm like, what if it spills on him? But then I try to back away. Yeah. I guess what are some tips there? And like, what's a good age, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of let them get involved? Yeah. So at our school, we uh, we don't do that. But we had a, a mommy and me class that was two to four years old. And um, and you wouldn't imagine like all the things that a two year old can do. So yeah. cooking has a lot to do with a gross and um, sorry, gross and, and fine gross motor skill development. Yeah. So when you the kid and and i'm gonna answer your question but i'm just gonna say sure sure for, uh, for a very little kid just if you put a little pile of like rice you know and if they can understand or of beans and you say you need to sort and find me the the broken beans and or you know or something like that or mm -hmm. if you give them like a stem of cilantro of, of parsley and you say teach them just to pluck the leaves you pluck the leaf and you make a pile of leaves and you make a pile of stems you know like for them there's so much gain in that so you sure. you can pretty much start involving your kid i you know i've worked with plenty of two-year-olds it's just like start very simple and sometimes like you create tasks that are maybe unnecessary mm -hmm. for the whole thing but they are there, they're in the kitchen, you know, they're with you. And then that, again, you start to develop that working language. And then you can start kind of moving them forward. The other thing that is a great way to, if you know, it's a little bit of a mess, but to involve your kid is to put them on the wash. You know, they're not really going to wash, but they see you washing. And for them, it's like, it's a really playful activity that doesn't hold the low status of cleaning you know it's participating is being there so if they're being cherished they start to this thing of cleaning becomes something that they love to do so you know because half of the cooking is the cleaning 
And is, you know, so involving them from the beginning where they don't feel like you're being punished. Like, why am I cleaning and not doing that thing? Because it's all important. That's so true. Yeah, again, it sounds like a lot of mindset shift to your point of when it comes to the healthy relationship with food and maybe not seeing it as a chore or a task, but rather something we do and the Mm -hmm. whole process is important. And it sounds like basically the two things are keep it simple and manage the expectations for both. Again, don't give them the mountain, give them, you know, kind of easy things for them to kind of manage. I'm even thinking like sorting would probably good. I know like sometimes I'll have my son because he could look at numbers now in the measuring cup, because I'll, I'll still forget if I'm, you know, and I'm like, oh, put, you know, two cups, and he'll know to put two cups and fill the, so we'll do stuff like that. But to your point, it just adds, like, look, you're, you're in addition to the whole process, and it's not like you're punished, and that now you have, like, a little side thing that's, like, not worth it. It's like, no, it's, we, all of this is important. I need someone to help me measure, you know, all of it is important. So I love that. Yeah, and I think the other other thing is the kitchen is a place of hierarchy and the kitchen is a place, I mean, not only for the kid, you know, like all the way up to the finest restaurant is a place of steps. So Mm -hmm. I think having, creating boundaries from the beginning and like being clear, you know, like I tell you what to do and this is what I need you to do. And maybe for a parent, it's just like, well, again, in the, in the topic of setting expectations is setting expectations from the beginning, you know, mommy's cooking. I want you to help me with the washing. And then after you're done with that, I would like you to go read. So, you know, maybe then your time, like the time you're going to be involving them is already kind of predetermined. So you don't have to then for the whole time you're in the kitchen, you have that, you have to be creating activities for, for the kid. Oh, I got you. Cause that again, for a mom who's very overwhelmed, one kid, two kid, single mom, not single mom, if you're overwhelmed, overwhelmed, and what can add to it is being like, oh, I have to add another task of figuring this out. Oh, or yeah. to your point, just add it as something like here, this is your task and this is what we're doing instead of making it more difficult. Because I think yeah. then I think when it makes it more difficult, then like, like you were saying, our blood pressure goes up, we're getting, we might be a little annoyed, <laughs> yes. we're frustrated. No, and then we do, and then at this point, it's like it's six o'clock and I need to have dinner ready. And then sure. uh, more than that, Nicole, then uh, we create tension and that tension is perceived by the child and that becomes yeah. part of their memory in the kitchen. Ooh, you know, yes. oh, and the mindset, I love that. The yes. mindset, like the ease, I think, you know, we all want ease and, and children also eat for, yeah. I, I believe that for children, ease is safety. You know, my mom is, yeah. my mom is doing okay. I'm safe. Yes, so as much as we can create ease for ourselves, yeah. as much we're, we're going to be communicating something that uh, I think is important for all of us to our kids. Yeah, it does. It trickles down. I know for me, when I've shown my faces of like annoyance and not for him, just of something. And he's like, why is your face like that? Like immediately can pick up the dynamic and I'll oh. have to catch myself or, and he'll say, he's like, I didn't do anything. And I'm like, no, I said, I, and then I'll have to answer. And I'm like, mommy got a little, et cetera. And I'll have to, but look at the, look at the observation of him already noticing my my level of from being calm and this to now I'm showing an annoying face whatever it can be um and I have to then catch myself you know so for sure 
So I want to ask, you do amazing things with culinary artists, artists, no, artists, artists, yeah. (laughs) Yes. And I would love, love, love when, you know, get an opportunity when I go to San Francisco to be able to connect. And I love this. Like, I want to learn even deeper, more of like the different things of how to bring it here to South Florida. But point taken, you got a lot going on. (laughs) And I'd like to ask my guests always, what are things that you do for your own release? What do you do to reset? What do you do to recharge for yourself to make sure you're at your best for your partner, for your family, for your team, the kids that you work with, your dog, you know, all the things. Yeah. So, and this is another thing I want to talk to our uh, young, not uh, uh, new moms out there. You know, a, a happy mom is a good mom. Like a uh, uh, relax, you know, it's not like you have to be happy, but uh, the more you, the better care you take of yourself, I think the, the better you will be to show up to being a mom. So I will tell you what works for me, but I think everybody really relying on your village to, if you need to create time, you know, when I was a single mom, so many, you know, I had so many people that I could drop my daughter off for a couple hours if I wanted to go on a hike or that I could drop on for a sleepover if I wanted to go out one evening. For me, I'm a 51 year old that likes to go to clubs, Nicole. So I love to go dancing. So that's one thing that it's, it's my church, like having a night out, you know, is amazing. And then the other thing is exercising and either like I, I love these days I do CrossFit, but you know, I, I've done all kinds of things. It. Like maybe it's like 20 minutes, you know, this morning, like before, that's where I have wet hair. Like just go to the gym for half an hour, do my thing, sweat it up, come home. There's a buoyancy in my body yeah. that kind of carries through the rest of the day. I love that. And I love how you said find it for yourself because I think a lot of times. Oh, yeah you think and copy and and it's like no find what's true to you and if listen if it's getting the house clean then clean your house (laughs) if 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 cleaning your house gives you because i know you know that it's therapeutic for you the release of whatever that is i always say find something that resets you find something that releases you and find something that recharges you because i think if you hit three of those all three of those buckets to your point you will be more calmer, more happier, be able to be a little bit more present, engaging. So when dinner time and certain things come up, you're able to manage it better. Mm -hmm. So I love that. So as we wind down here, share how people can connect with you, social media, all the things. Yeah. So we, uh, my company is called Culinary Artistas. So, you know, you can start from our website, culinaryartists.com. Then you can see all our offerings. We are on um, social media, Facebook and Instagram at Culinary Artistas. Our subscription box is called Club Artistas. So you can find clubartistas.com is where you can see our box. And you can, on the website, there is, oh, I'm on LinkedIn, Vanessa P. Silva. And I think on the website, my email is there. So I'm very happy. I, I was, I was very, I was very blessed by the support of a lot of women in my, in my, in, you know, in my time as, as a new mom, as a new entrepreneur getting here. And it gives me a lot of pleasure when I can help another person. So you can always hit me up. Yeah. Love it. And your final thoughts. I know you kind of alluded to some things, but if you can kind of sum up and you're like, listen, mom, I want you to take this. How would you want to, especially with regards to food and building the healthy relationship? What are your final thoughts? 
Yeah, my final thoughts is for our new moms. And I, I was in a place of a lot of overwhelm early on because also like from the onset, like from very early, I was a single mom and that was, I sure. had a lot, had a lot of anxiety. And uh, the first one is find a place, you know, find the things that can help you cope in a positive way that is so we're not so overwhelmed and anxious. When it comes to food, this is going to sound weird, but I will say from my position of teaching kids for 13 years, from being a holistic nutrition, find a place of relaxation and ease, of less guilt, of less pleasure, and try to cultivate that. Starting from a place of, I got this, I'm learning, but I will do okay, will take you much further than internalizing all the expectations and the pressures sure. of, oh my God, what's going to happen to my kid? You know, so starting from there. And I think the last thing is like, really, and, and that's the hardest, but I, it pays off. I'll tell you, you know, from where I am now, I, it, I feel like I crossed the 50, like I'm the wise woman now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's just like healing our relationship yeah. with our body, with our relationship with food is such a beautiful start to carry through our, you know, to our family, to our partners, to our kids, to their extended community. We're going to be hosting a lot of kids. You're going to be talking to a lot of moms. So the way we are with ourselves and our body and how we understand that really kind of seeps into our community. So I think it's a, it's a worth it work to do. Oh, thank you so much, Vanessa, for coming on, for sharing your expertise and some tips it is so, so appreciated and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nicole. It was a really pleasure to be here. And like, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm like, I can't believe I'm one of those women now. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Vanessa. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.